the intimacy of a Christian couple is always under attack. Because if that couple's intimacy can be thwarted, can be disrupted, if a wedge can be put between that couple, they can no longer reflect the love that Christ has for the church. Because there's discord in the midst and the focus is on my rights or, you know, my needs and, you know, my expectations and what you did and what I need. So when that intimacy begins to be under attack, that's when a breakdown can occur. The importance of safeguarding intimacy. That's some good stuff right there. I'm the guest. And I'm Selena Guest. And, and welcome, welcome to, to the, the Guest Lounge Podcast. We are so excited to host our first podcast where we bring you all the information about relationships you might have missed while being in a relationship. Today we have Minister Rods and Minister Dean, two people who we consider experts in relationships, sitting with us to talk about the importance of safeguarding intimacy. Yes, yes, yes. I am so honored to be sitting here with two people who have given us so much advice over the years. Amazing gems. They whipped us into shape, got us ready for marriage, and we're definitely reaping the fruit of that now. Uh, We just thank God so much for them. So, Minister Roz and Dean, tell us a little bit about yourselves. Hey, thank you for having us. We are excited, totally excited and thrilled to be here, uh, both of us. And, I mean, there's so much history that we have. But we've been married 22 22 years years. in June. We've known each other for 23. Yeah. (laughs) Known each other for 23. 22 years? Yeah. Yeah. 22. 22. 22. 22. And uh, met in Boston, Massachusetts, where my beloved is from. I'm a Philly girl, but was up that way for uh, college and work Mm -hmm. subsequent to that. But uh, we have two fabulous children and a wacky dog, and uh, we love the Shout boys. Out to Zeke. <laughs> Shout out to Zeke. Zeke dog in the building. Oh, and yeah. I'll, oh, go ahead. yeah, yeah, no, no, and um, you know, just to give a little background, we've been doing this thing, uh, marriage relationships, marriage prep, or however you want to call it, for uh, for at least what nineteen years mm. of our marriage. Yeah, easily, and, easily, and it was really funny because our church that we were at in Boston started up a cell group and we were newlyweds at the time and all of a sudden we get this phone call and they said hey you guys are over a cell group and we looked at each other like we're just newly married (laughs) what and it turned out to be God in a major way because from that we were able to really uh, spearhead um, a, a very powerful cell group um, was a cell group about relationships? Or it was marriage. a married couple cell group. It was a married couple cell group, yeah. Okay. Cool. And, um, and it, was, it was very interesting because we had no idea what we were doing. Mm. We just let the Lord have his way, and God truly met us. And I think out of all of the cell groups that were started, ours was like the only one, maybe one other one, that still met on a continuous basis. Mm-hmm. And so marriage, up, how, how, how often would you guys meet? Once a month. Okay. We would meet at, once a at, at your place. At, we would rotate at people's houses, and okay. so so it turned out to be. Um, at first, we started off at one spot, but then people said, "Hey, let's go ahead and share," and it just really became a very intimate setting, mm-hmm. and um, it blew up. I mean, we have marriages that people who were married many years longer than us, mm-hmm. and they were like sitting at our feet, like we were. <laughs> <laughs> 
we so would you say you had to kind of figure stuff out kind of fast because people yeah. would come to you oh, for a lot of very advice quickly. yeah which was cool because um it really helped us out in our relationship because it forced mm-hmm. us to really take a look at our relationship in a way that i think that if we weren't in that cell group and in that position, mm. we would not be in the position that we're in right now because mm. uh, it really helped us to learn how to love each other very hard, learn how to uh, develop intimacy, communication, sex. Um, how long were you guys married at the time? Uh, what, lucky if it was two years. Seriously, yeah. lucky if it was two years. So, I mean, we, we literally... Just it was like bang right there. Wow. It was bang right there, and we're just looking at each other like, I'm just getting to know you, you're getting to know me, and you want us to lead all these couples over this. So and and, and one thing, and and D, you know, I've, we've talked about this on numerous occasions. It forced me to learn how to pray and be mm. really here from the Lord <laughs> as the head of the house because. Yeah. We really had really had to hear and understand what that uh, what that was all about, and mm-hmm. so from that um, it really just jumped us off. And then we were over the Young Adults Ministry. Relationships was like our number one thing mm-hmm. up in Boston. Mm-hmm. Up in Boston. Up in Boston. Yes. Relationships the number one thing. And then when we came down here, mm-hmm. we started off a um, another married couple came to us and said, "Hey, you know." You guys should do what you did in Boston down here. We're like, all right, cool. So we started off, and how many couples do you think we started off with with the uh, Lacomas? Maybe six or seven. Six or seven couples, real intimate setting, Mm. where people would come over. It was basically a cell group. Mm -hmm. We just did a cell group uh, up uh, here. And um, at the time, had you guys joined your church here in New Jersey? Or this was before? Oh, okay. Yeah, so we were part of the cathedral, but it was an offshoot. So, and, um, so we started off, and right at the table that you're sitting at right now, man, we had mm. about six couples. This table here. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's history. It's history. Yeah. Yeah. This table has seen many couples, I'm sure. <laughs> if, if the walls and tables could talk, <laughs> yeah. oh, my, my Lord. Oh. <laughs> and, 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 including us. Including we, us. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And, Go ahead, man. I was just going to say one thing that that group taught us was that there is such a need for people, married couples, to have a venue, a safe right. place where they can go, be with other couples, talk with folks that have been in this for a while, mm-hmm. learn some things, you mm-hmm. know. And that group grew from probably six couples, seven couples to well over um, probably 40. 30 or 40 couples, 40 couples. crammed mm-hmm. in our yeah. home. Our home. Um, yeah. So there is such a need for this, which is why we are excited to be a part of what you guys are doing, um, because we know that there are folks who are hungry, people yeah. who are serious about their marriages, even those who are still in courtships, who just are looking for direction and guidance and who don't want to mess up a good thing. Mm-hmm. And um, unfortunately, the, wor- the way that the world does things oftentimes creates a mess. Yeah. So we have been blessed to have learned some things and to have now helped probably hundreds of couples and spoken Mm. at um, very large venues at national conferences to young people who are really serious. And we're not even talking about, you know, young in age necessarily. Some of the couples that we've worked with are much older than us, widows who are getting remarried, Mm. um, you know, and they just want to do it right. Mm -hmm. So what we have is not for everybody, Mm. but we do know that there is a subset of people 
Christian and non-Christian who are that serious about their relationships mm-hmm. and who are really looking for folks to pour into them. And we were really blessed. You know, I think the thing that we've left out is that we were blessed to have really solid premarital counseling in Boston. Mm-hmm. Like really frank, our uh, bishop and first lady were really down to earth. Oh, they had a dope marriage, very strong. And um, we had not seen a marriage that strong before mm-hmm. in our young Christian walks. And we were we mm-hmm. just wanted to sit at their feet and learn from them. So a lot of what we learned initially, we learned directly from them and sitting mm-hmm. at their feet and watching them. And then it spilled over into ministry for us as well. So, you know, for the sake of uh, transparency, mm-hmm. you guys helped Selena and, and myself yes. along um, the way. So the table that we're sitting at, <laughs> Lord uh, knows. much counsel has happened at this table. Yeah, much, much counsel and, and sweating and heads and crying, ugly crying, anger, shock. And you know, sweat. thinking, I don't know if this is going to work. You know, the whole nine. Yes, yeah. and, and helping us through the trenches of it all. Yeah. And yeah. it definitely has proved to be so fruitful, you know, what you guys have implanted in us and things like that. And we just hope in turn we can help someone else in the same Thank way. Yeah. So, it's, you know. it's a journey. It's mm-hmm. a journey. And that's and that's why we always, when you guys always come to the table, you know, everyone calls it premarital counseling. I'm like, no, it's a journey because... You guys are on a journey. You've started. You've you fought the first war, the first battle, mm-hmm. and now you're you're on the journey where you're finally getting the groove. You got your little got your little blessing, <laughs> round around the church. One. Yes, <laughs> tearing stuff up, mm-hmm. and, and it's a journey. And now you're in a, a new phase of really trying to understand how you can really mature your relationship. Mm-hmm. so that it can continue to grow. Because bottom line, so many relationships just become stagnant because people forget how to grow. Right. And so so the journey is going for you guys. And this mm-hmm. is a powerful thing. Yeah. And many people are going to watch your journey. Yeah. yeah. You know, before we move on, let's just go back real quick to yeah. your second year in marriage and yeah. your church in Boston is like start this small group at your house yep. ministerize like take me back there did you know what you were about to get into was it agreement amongst you two about doing it was one more on board than the other like take us back to, to that moment well the thing is we were so grateful to God to find each other I mean mm-hmm. I was a single mother uh, my daughter was two and a half yep. when um, the two of us began to court. And um, we had a real serious and seriousness in our relationship from jump. And um, we knew from the first time we went out together that God was in it. Mm. I, I know it sounds far-fetched, but it, it, we had both been through bad, hurtful, toxic relationships. Mm-hmm. And when you know it's right, and when you sense that God's favor is on it, you know that early on. Um, but we didn't rest in that. We, we said, you know what? Just because we've had these histories of not doing it right, let's make ourselves accountable to mm-hmm. some people. So we chose four other couples um, at different stages in their relationship, but all who had really amazing marriages to sit at their feet and to learn from them. So um, once we did marry and, you know, we we took our bishop's advice and we took the first year of our relationship to really build a strong, was, solid relationship. That was Hill. To, to, okay. Yeah. So to um, 
to build a really strong foundation in our relationship. And um, it really blessed us so that when it was time to start up ministry again, we were committed and we were like, Lord, you blessed us so much, Mm. you know, and what we have. And that's not to say it was easy from jump, Mm. but um, it we just said, you know what, Lord, use us, use us to your honor and your glory. And um, the other thing is we both have a background in youth and young adult ministry. Mm. Uh, We minister together sometimes before we were married and sometimes apart. Um, but when you're working with young folks, when you're working with kids, it's almost like if you can minister to young people, you can minister to anybody. Seriously. So we never doubted our ability to um, to be a blessing to um, to the adults. Not to say that it was, you know, all the skills were transferable, but we knew how to teach. We knew how to care. We knew how to pray. We knew how to be present. We knew how to get to the core of, of what what issues were we know how to keep people's attention that sort of thing mm-hmm. but um when we found out and it was from our bishop's son who mm-hmm. put us um over that cell group that we were kind of like okay all right let's just do this yeah. and we just were obedient and did it that's mm-hmm. what's up man mm-hmm. that's cool and that's where the two of you met was in the young adult ministry there mm-hmm. or no we knew each other beforehand okay but it was just sort high of by. high by type of scenario and then yeah. eventually the law was just like she's the one yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. I love your your story when you say you first saw him in combat boots and everything, mm, and yeah, then you yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. may have to say that for another. Yeah. Okay, because we yeah, go on and on and on. I know. That's what's up. So go All on. All right. So just to kind of introduce our topic, we're going to talk a little bit about safeguarding intimacy today. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna hit you all off with a, a stat that uh, my husband D Guest found on the Pew Research Center. So it was an article entitled "Couples: The Internet and Social Media." Mm. And in this article, it said that 71% of uh, people in relationships use social networking sites. Mm-hmm. So it's funny because me and my husband, we love to watch like Judge Judy and all these court shows and things like that. And it's so funny, especially on the, well, it's, it, it's kind of sad, like on the divorce courts and things like that. A lot of times people bring up. Uh, social media. Mm. Oh, I caught him on <laughs> Facebook doing this. So, right. Oh, she was talking to her boo from back in the day on right. Facebook and that. And got about so, four different Facebook accounts. Yeah, and somebody yeah. got caught a shout out or something on there and mm. that kind of spirals and they end up, you know, in divorce court. But then on the flip side of that, you have social media that, you know, every time I'm sure you guys see it when you're scrolling on your Facebook, mm-hmm. you see all these boo shout outs and, oh, my man bought me flowers today and all oh, this right. thing, you know, every five seconds and, you know, mm-hmm. which is which is great and can make you feel warm and fuzzy and, sure. and everything. So we just want to say, do you think with those two examples, um, just in your opinion, does social media increase or decrease intimacy in a marriage? Mm. What's your take? You want to go first? No, you you can. I'm looking up something. And this is just my personal opinion because um, foundation of covenant relationship has to be trust, right? Mm -hmm. So if if you are not friended to or connected to um, your beloved on your social media accounts, that's a red flag. Mm. Something is wrong. That's true. Okay? So <laughs> that another way. So hold up. You're saying <laughs> bottom line is if, okay. is if the two of you are not connected on social media okay. as friends so that they can see what you post and you can see what they post. Something is wrong. What's what's being hidden? That's so just blocks me on Facebook. <laughs> yeah, that's, 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 wrong. that's not okay. Red that's flag, red okay. flag. Yeah, right, right. especially that's since nice the goal flag. here and in, in intimacy, building intimacy is becoming one. 
Now, now let me ask you: Does that mean all social media accounts—Facebook, Twitter, yes. and yeah. Instagram, yeah. everything go? Yeah. Oh, okay. Remember, Adam and Eve were naked and unashamed, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So, if there's some degree of shame to what's being shared on social media, that's problematic. That's a sign oftentimes, probably not 100%, but majority of the time, that can be a sign that there's something being hidden or that um, the other person could be controlling. And you're worried that they're going to jump to conclusions by seeing what's up. So it's it's not necessarily a red flag on the side of the poster. It could be a red flag regarding the person who's going to see it and, Mm -hmm. uh, and flip out and draw conclusions and think cheating's going on when it's not. Mm -hmm. So to answer your question, um, do we think or do I think social media can build intimacy or not? For starters, um, I think now the statistic is something like four out of every five couples now meets through social media. Yep. Mm. Mm. Through websites, through all the dating websites. I can believe that. Yeah, I can believe it. A lot of our couples that we've uh, counseled, I would say the majority of them now are meeting through you know, a lot of the social de- uh, websites, dating websites. So mm-hmm. it's definitely, it helps. It enhances customer the minutia, but it, mm-hmm. ha- it, it definitely helps. But So so can it build uh, intimacy? Clearly, yeah. If I mean, there are people who are getting married now yeah. based mm-hmm. on folks that they've met yeah, online right. and who yeah. they've fallen in love with through social media sites or um, even social media dating type sites. Yeah. Um, but on the flip side... You know, it's like whatever's in the heart is going to come out through social media, (laughs) right? right. And people are, what's in your heart is magnified on social media. Mm -hmm. So um, if there's something in you that is prone to wander, as the church folks say, (laughs) uh, social media makes it easier. Actually, statistics now show that um, social media actually does make it easier for people to cheat. Mm -hmm. You think an innocent little connection with an ex just we'll be connected just to see how things are going mm-hmm. not realizing that they're checking you out to see how your stuff is going how your relationship is going where you're working da, 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 da. Yeah. and then you god forbid you hit a bump in the road with your spouse or your loved one mm-hmm. now all of a sudden there's this easy way mm-hmm. to just you know get some affirmation by clicking that person and mm-hmm. starting an innocent conversation which can get non-innocent really quick so to answer the question yeah to answer the question Mm -hmm. it could be either or it can build intimacy Mm -hmm. or it can easily tear down intimacy Mm -hmm. and the other thing that they stated which I find uh, for the most part pretty true is that they said most couples (coughs) excuse me this was done on I think uh, uh, I was watching um What's that show in the morning we watch uh, after the morning news? Uh, ABC News, not ABC. Good Morning America. Okay. Well, they did a. Well, they actually did a study, and they had a professional come on and said, those couples that post like a lot of updates, you know, like you said, mm-hmm. oh my boo sent me this, yeah. oh look at this, <laughs> and they got all the snap. They yeah. said n- the majority of those couples are couples that are in crisis. Wow. And the person or the persons are posting all of those things to blow smoke mm. so people won't really see that, yeah, my you know, my relationship is in, you know, some dire straits and, you know, we're trying to figure out how we're gonna save this or we're gonna be together. So when I if I know the couple and I know they're in a good place and I see a lot of that stuff, I'm like, okay, cool, it's mm-hmm. all right. But a lot of couples that I know of and I see them and they're just like selfies and snap and all this other stuff. Yeah. Um, they're sending out a false message. And, and then once the 
once the um, information comes out that, you know, their marriage is on the rocks or whatever, or they're having trouble, mm -hmm. it really causes a lot of problems because now everyone starts questioning, well, you know, for the past two years, you've been posting all of this mm -hmm. stuff. And now you're saying that for the past two years, you've been in crisis, yeah. mm -hmm. you know, and so it's a good thing to post. However, you have to be very selective in how many times you do it and what you do use. And I, I try to counsel couples to say now, you know, listen, if you're going to put stuff on Facebook or Instagram or Snapchat, whatever, make sure your stuff is tight. Because mm -hmm. the moment people see a crack mm -hmm. in your relationship, they're going to get at you. They're going, what? Yeah. Like, like, a, like a roddy on a raw piece of meat. Yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, it's... The type of uh, world that we live in, the social media is just it just comes along with the territory, and right. I feel like when people get together, couples get together. It just yep. it needs to be a conversation yep. that happens at the forefront of yep. the relationship. Yep. Uh, in terms of one person may be more active on social media, right. asking yeah, yeah, yeah. to the other. Right. Now, for me, I was fortunate. Selena has a low <laughs> social media low activity, yeah. you know, and I'm this the same way for me as well. Um, right. So we work together in right. that in that That's regard. Good. Uh, but I'm sure there are couples out there where one person may be more active than the next, right. and I'm sure it causes some tension. It, where oh no, it does, and I actually had to walk a couple through that very issue, yeah. because the 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 guy was like you and like me, you know, very low pro profile on social media. Mm. Wife, love. I mean, she she cooked she cooked <laughs> eggs and salmon, you know, eggs and grits or something like that, and put it in front of him. And she's taking a selfie of the food and then yeah. a selfie of him eating it. I'm just being yeah. facetious. I mean, that really wasn't the case, but she was just overboard with it. Mm -hmm. And it got to the point where he it really caused a problem in their relationship mm -hmm. because her view of things was that you don't love me like I love you because, look, I'm, I'm broadcasting out to the world how much I love you. Yeah. And... You know, there's nothing from you from your on your web pages and stuff. Mm -hmm. And the guy was just like, I love you. I love you to I love you more than you'll ever know. Mm -hmm. I'm just not that type of a person. So they really had to sit down and have a hard conversation around what does love look like to them, what does intimacy look like for them, mm -hmm. all this other stuff, what does it look like for them? And then, you know, she brought it down a lot praise be to god and mm. now it's out of place where they're both very comfortable yeah. and and i mean it was very early on in their relationship yeah. that this was happening that is um we'll need to we'll need to have another podcast yeah, just, just on. about to keep going too but that's okay <laughs> <laughs> let me just out. let me just throw out there that there are two issues that surround this whole social media discussion especially where couples are concerned and one is that there has to be agreement yep. about mm -hmm. the levels of privacy yeah. in a relationship and that's just not social mm -hmm. media. That's how involved should family be? How involved right. should friends be? Mm -hmm. Social media is just one piece in that puzzle. So yeah. one, there has to be agreement in that area. And then two, and you know we always talk about this, um, Dr. Gary Chapman's um, five love yes. languages. Yeah. So words of affirmation are oftentimes a person's primary love language, meaning the way that they feel the most loved by their you know, husband, wife, boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever, yeah. um, is sometimes through words. Mm -hmm. But the problem is many times we give love the way that we like to receive it, mm. not realizing that they, that may not be that other person's right. love language. Yeah. So you're busy posting on Facebook, <laughs> writing this, that, and other. <laughs> 
And if their love language is acts of service, they would just be happy if you picked up the dry cleaning. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? They're so, not getting the message. Yeah, yeah. so, yeah, <laughs> they, will, the they are not feeling your love by all these posts. So right. I just want to throw out there, we can go deeper in another podcast, but mm-hmm. um, those two issues, there has to be agreement and understanding about those two issues. Mm-hmm. All right. Very well said. Yeah, for real. Yeah. Well, <laughs> we're talking about um, intimacy and, and yes. you know, particularly how it means and how that kind of uh, operates on social media but just bringing it back minister rise uh what does intimacy mean in a word and we get this from um dr joe beam who um works closely with the family dynamics institute we have a, um, a facilitation license through that organization out of tennessee and he wrote a book called becoming one And in that book, he talks about um, intimacy. And we think he does a really good job explaining what intimacy is, what it looks like, et cetera. And in a word, he describes intimacy as oneness. Mm -hmm. And oneness doesn't mean you become the same person, but it means that you are one in your your desire for a strong relationship. You become one in God. You become one in terms of understanding each other. That should be the goal, oneness, you know, over time. So in a word, intimacy is oneness, but he's got this diagram that he uses where he talks about the different types of intimacy. And there can be, you know, emotional intimacy, there can be physical intimacy, and then there can be spiritual intimacy. And the problem is, you know, if you imagine like a Venn diagram and each one of those is three circles, oneness is smack in the center where each of those three circles would meet, those concentric circles would meet. But the problem is, if you if you just leave any one of the circles out of that equation, it creates an imbalanced type of a relationship. You could have a heartless relationship if if the emotional side isn't being met. You could have you know like a, a celibate kind of a, a relationship if there's if the physical side isn't being intimacy side isn't being met in marriage mm-hmm. covenant. So it's really deep. It's very deep if you look at it. I wish we had the ability to show your listeners the um, the diagram. I'm sure it's online somewhere. Mm-hmm. But intimacy really does comprise those three areas: the body, the spirit, and the emotions. But the goal is oneness at the end of the day bottom line and you know it's interesting because as uh we were looking up different statistics with regards to intimacy it's interesting how we always automatically assume it only means sexual intimacy oh yeah but there's different times out there different types of intimacy out there emotional intimacy and things and it's good to um make sure that you call those out so you can address them and put a name to them yeah and yeah i also think that it's um important to see how one fuels the other in a lot of instances Mm -hmm. you know like if you're meeting emotional intimacy sometimes that fuels the sexual intimacy Mm. and vice versa and i think that's important (laughs) i think i think one of the unfortunate things is that we're not really taught and to your point selena i mean you bring up a great point everyone when they think of intimacy they view it as sexual intimacy And mostly men. Mostly men. Mostly Derek, men. You could, man, you got to just get on my head, dog. I know we think alike. Yeah, we think yeah. alike. And so, and so the problem is, is that with men, we have no idea about emotional intimacy. Mm-hmm. We don't understand what that really means. And so because we don't, we always equate sex with being that way. And one of the things that I've learned, and I try to teach these young, uh, you know, young men, people who are getting married, looking to get married, to basically not focus on the sexual intimacy right out of the gate, but focus on learning how to be um, intimate through emotional means, you know, expressing yourselves, communication, written word, things of that nature. 
um, <clears throat> because to your, to your point, if we don't nail that down, then as marriage goes on and as the journey goes on, if you don't understand it, at a certain point, you'll never grasp it. And then the marriage just becomes this mm-hmm. stale, stagnant, okay, yeah, we're going to have this hot sex pa- uh, sex session just to relieve <laughs> stress or tension, mm-hmm. but there's no real intimacy. And one of the things that we look at when we go out and see couples <clears throat> Like we're sitting down at the movies or something like that, uh, you know, or we're out just walking in general. Most, a lot of couples, um, there's no emotional intimacy. Mm-hmm. One, the guy's walking next to the lady, the lady's walking next to the guy. Mm-hmm. You yeah. see that a lot. See that a lot. And, and so, so they're just staring off and, you know, distance or doing whatever. Or if they're sitting down at the restaurant, and this is the thing that just blows my mind. Here you are with your, the mm. one you love. I know what you're about to say. Yeah. And you're on your cell phone. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and No you know, connecting. No yeah. connection whatsoever. Mm-hmm. So then you get your food, you eat, and then you bounce, and then, ooh, this was a lovely night. What? Yeah. No, mm-hmm. no, no. So, so you know, really understanding um, what each of these, you know, uh, you know, sexual, emotional, and spiritual, what all of that means, we've got to really going deep and hard. I mean, I know this is our first go, uh, first time talking about this, but, you know, around session two should really go into each of these and really mm-hmm. dig deep so people can understand this because if brothers can get this right, dear God, our sisters would be, you want cheese on your eggs? <laughs> Say it. <laughs> Humming Christmas music, baking Christmas cookies, the whole nine. And it's a good thing. And, and and one of the things that it's not only for us, but it's for our seed. Because mm-hmm. today when I saw, you know, baby girl running around mm-hmm. and how you two have been interacting, she's picking up on that and she's understanding that. And so mm-hmm. as she grows up, she's going to grow up in a home where all of that, all of the all of the intimacy is just so intertwined and ingrained in your relationship mm-hmm. She's gonna have a really healthy emotional life, and and yeah. a lot, uh, yeah, and a lot of kids don't have that because one of these aspects are missing, and because of it, you know, they wind up growing up too hard, you know, heartless. Mm-hmm. They don't understand what it means to love anybody, let alone themselves, and it's just and it's just leading to a society now where it's just. Everybody's just real quick. Oh, I don't like you anymore. I'm gone. Yeah. Deuces. I don't want to work with you. Bye. Bring my close to you. And um, and the other thing is that uh, you know they'll they'll just go off with the next person, do this and do that. So really understanding this, I think, is is key if you're serious about getting into a relationship. And I, go ahead. I was just gonna piggyback on what what you were saying, honey, because. You know, one of the first sessions that we have with couples that we coach, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we we stress the importance of protecting intimacy. Okay. There's a passage of scripture in Luke 22, 31, where, you know, Jesus tells, I think it's Peter, Peter. that Satan yeah. desires to sift you as wheat. But I've prayed for you that your faith would not fail. And God gave us the revelation that just like the faith is always un- the faith of a Christian is always under attack by the enemy. Mm-hmm. Um, because if your faith is gone, you can't, you're no good. To, you can't even please God without faith. Similarly, the intimacy of a Christian couple 
is always under attack. Always. Because if that couple's intimacy can be can be thwarted, can be disrupted, if a wedge can be put between that couple, they can no longer reflect the love that Christ has for the church. Because mm. there's discord in the midst and the focus is on, you know, my rights or, you know, my needs, my needs mm. and, you know, my expectations and what you did and what I need. So when that intimacy begins to be under attack, you know, that's when a breakdown can occur. Yep. And Minister Dean was talking about, you know, couples that you can see in a restaurant, you can tell they're not connected. You could tell they, you know, they just like one's reading a paper, the other's staring off in space. Yeah, maybe they're having a bad day, but maybe that's the way their relationship is now. And too many times people go from being soulmates to cellmates. Yeah. Mm, repeat that, repeat that. Run that too back. many times people go from being soulmates. S O U L. S O U L. To being cellmates. C E L L. We're talking about a cell group. We're talking we're about, about we're talking you're in prison. You're in prison. Oh, you're married. I thought you meant cell groups. No, no, no. no, 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 no. You feel like you are trapped you, you in are a relationship. You are trapped in a relationship that there's no hope. Yeah, wow. so, you know. Keep in mind that those couples that you see where you where the, the disconnect is palpable like that, they didn't start out like that. Something had to happen to that couple. Or yeah. or you see those relationships where there's always these little digs. You know, there's there's mm-hmm. some shots. The little shots, exactly. Yeah. You know, yep. somebody mm, whatever, you know, <laughs> yeah. and, and I'm just like, Oh, did he really say that? Yeah. Yep. Did she really say that? Oh dear God. And you know, I'm looking at my wife like Oh shoot, I, if you said that to me, I'd be devastated. Yeah. But some couples, that's the way that their lives are right now because they're cellmates now. They're just, mm, they lost the intimacy. Yeah. And you would attribute the cellmate, C-E-L-L mate, um, as it being a reflection of the lack of intimacy that Most they're experiencing. Oftentimes, and usually yeah. there's an, an interim stage. Yeah. So soulmates, that's when you all in love you into each other. The oneness is palpable. People Probably just see the, the connection. Of the yeah, beginning, <laughs> yeah. Necessarily, yeah. Baby, because we're 22 years in. We still got it. But oh, we, yeah. work, but we work, work that. No, we work that. Yeah. We work to keep it. Yeah. But then it goes from cellmates to roommates. Oh, okay. Where it's not necessarily, you know, passion or friction, friction. but the passion is lacking. Right? And that can be emotional passion. That can be, you know, spiritual passion. That can be physical passion. One of those three concentric circles is beginning to be attacked. And then if it is not remedied, quickly or readily if it's not identified and remedied and you actively try to heal in that area mm. then you go to that third stage you go to cellmates C-E-L-L clank 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 the ball and chain well that's that's where that's where that phrase comes from the old ball and chain now you locked up in the big house wait to get on parole So yeah I was just gonna say so it's interesting because I went out to eat with my girlfriend and she's been married for six months now and it's funny to see some of the things she brings up and uh you know in the beginning of their marriage and you can tell she's really standing her ground and mm-hmm. you know now looking back on that like <laughs> oh, i remember when we used to have those types of conversations and have those types of issues and things like that mm-hmm. but especially in the beginning we are trying to get that foundation in order mm-hmm. what would you say are maybe let's say the top three things that attack that intimacy so is it selfishness is it yeah what is so it so so, so the top so i would have to say that's number one Selfishness. Yeah. People are very self. It's all about me. Mm-hmm. I, it's, you you got to satisfy my needs. Screw you. If I'm satisfied, then maybe eh, 
I think about satisfying you, but people are very selfish. Mm -hmm. And it's amazing to me how even when you point it out to somebody and, you know, they cry snot and do whatever, they don't give it up. And, and, And so it's so that really causes a lot of people to just just shut down because if you're if I see you're selfish, why am I going to continue to give? Mm-hmm. When good. No, I was just going to say we have a list of like twenty. <laughs> so far, um, twenty twenty possible ways that your intimacy can be attacked, wow. and they are not. I'm just going to rattle them off and tell us which ones you want us to go deeper well, into. Well, 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 but I, before we get into that, what's your top? What's your top three? Because I would think selfishness. I think is we'll no- be able to say that twenty to bring. Let's it. Yeah. <laughs> no, to bring yeah. that twenty. So yeah, let's yeah. let's okay. keep. So let's just talk about. Let's do. Oh, <laughs> uh, there's too much. Okay, there's let's let's go there. Yep. Mm. No, no, no. Too much TV because people do spend a lot of TV mm-hmm. on there. And really, that's under the heading of distractions. Right. Mm-hmm. Basically, you know what a person loves by where they spend their time yep. and their treasure. Right. You can look at a person's checkbook and see what they love yep. by mm-hmm. how they're spending their money. Yep. You can look at their time and see right. how, how they're spending their time to tell what they love. Right. Mm-hmm. So if TV or even social media. friends or even social media or even work becomes a priority over the relationship or the gym Mm -hmm. or the kids Mm. become the priority instead of nurturing the relationship it can begin to chip away at intimacy Mm -hmm. so that's why communication is key if at any point in time you start to feel or a couple or any member in a a relationship starts to feel disconnected you gotta say it Not in a an, you know accusatory kind of way, but you got to put it out there. I'm beginning to feel like we're not connected. Can you role play real quick? A conversation of when, let's just say, Minister Raj, you're not feeling connected to Minister Dean. I'm gonna give you how we really, yeah. how we really do it. What's um, that conversation like? Because a lot of times, and even in our own marriage, this can be a situation where that conversation is very combative, and then at the end of the day, it's mm-hmm. not um, restorative solving and it's yeah. not solving anything. So, mm-hmm. what does that conversation look like for us? And granted, this is 22 years in of, of getting this right for us. It may look different for other people. But it's me saying, babe, are we all right? I'm not, I'm not feeling you. And those of you clearly can't see us, I do a, a sign with my, with my fingers where I'm pointing at my eyes, I'm pointing at his eyes, I'm pointing at my eyes. So like the peace sign, but I'm pointing back and forth saying, I'm not feeling connected. Are we all right? Mm. And that's a way that I can ask him, like, what's, what's, are we all right? Mm-hmm. Are you all right? And then I will say, well, you know... Uh, and that's the avenue because that's our safe words because mm-hmm. you know most couples don't haven't identified a safe phrase or mm-hmm. safe words to use so a safe word what's the definition of a safe word what, what do you mean so safe word so she goes are we alright I'm not feeling connected okay. to me that's better than saying what the bleep is wrong with you mm-hmm. okay. right yeah what's yeah. going on yeah. or another safe phrase that we've you know, incorporated over time is Minister Dino sometimes say, if I'm illing or, you know, just going <laughs> off or being nitpicky or cranky or crap, he will say, what's the real issue? Mm. And he'll say it in a calm voice, just like that. Mm. And him saying that is a signal to me not to be like, what do you mean what's the real issue? I'm telling you what the real issue. I said what I meant. No. <laughs> that is, whenever that is said in our relationship, 
that means take a step back, yeah. take a deep breath, mm. and think about why you're really acting like that. Mm-hmm. Key words, key phrases that kind of help diffuse the situation. Absolutely. Yeah, right, right. So, so, so couples need to understand, you know, as they go along to identify safe phrases or words because when those are said, then, like she said, I haven't feel connected because she said that to me yesterday, as a matter of fact. And um, I don't feel connected. And I'm like, you know, jokingly said, no, I'm fine. We're good. We're good. And she'll, then I'll say, why? Why do you feel that way? And then she'll express how she's feeling. And knowing that this is her time of expressing, I am not, I have not allowed myself to attack, be defensive right. or, mm-hmm. or mean spirited, but I've allowed myself to listen, be understanding and try to be as uh compassionate as possible so I won't tear down her um, emotional intimacy at all because if I come back in a way that she deems bad then she'll shut down Mm -hmm. and then at that point the the weekend shot you know everything is shot and um, I'm I'm digging out of a hole or she's digging out of a hole and that's not fair so so, so when when you ask that question, that's that's what we mean. So we have like these safe words, safe terms, and then, um, and and then, I'll respond, and I have to be honest in my response. I can't just be like, oh, you know, it's all good, knowing on in the inside that there's something really wrong, and and so. Now, how important is it to you how you respond? It's extremely important because if I come off and say, "Girl, you're tripping. Ain't nothing wrong. You." Don't whatever mm. boom that's that's it if i you know, like i did saturday yesterday i said you know sweetheart no everything is good no seriously everything is fine mm. you know um i haven't been feeling well because of the medication that i'm on and you know it just made me really tired and you know how i'm going dealing with that now and all this other stuff and i said you know and i made a joke of it and i was like you know you know those I tried to wake you up a couple of times when you were sleeping on the couch and you just like blew me off and I went upstairs and everything. So we we joked and laughed about it and we were able to diffuse a potentially serious situation because if I came about it the wrong way, we wouldn't be sitting here at this table today talking. We would have had to reschedule. We would have had to reschedule. <laughs> now, honestly, I just have a question. How long would you say on average did it take you to get to that point where you developed that ability? Well, early on. Because I know it doesn't happen overnight. No, 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 it was early on. And our relationship was early on because I think we shared with y'all where there was one night, yeah, uh, one night we were having a discussion uh, when we were living up in Massachusetts and... Um, and it got a little heated, and Roz was standing in the doorway, and she made a comment. And, you know, I wasn't, for me, I like to having the, when I'm having a discussion or something, I like having a pillow over my face because I like the cool side of the feeling. It's just like this little kid thing I developed as a child. So, mm-hmm. not knowing anything, I just took the pillow and just put it over my head, and I was thinking. And when I did that, it, solicited this response from Minister Ross, she just blew up. Mm-hmm. And she just came at me, and I was like, like a deer in the headlights, like, oh my God, what did I do? And so she was just going on and on and on, and I got ready to be defensive. And this is one of the things that uh, like I was telling Derek to do, at men of God, we gotta learn how to pray. Because mm-hmm. I was like, Lord, what do I do? And God said, ask this question, 
what's the real issue here? And so, and and when she went on and she finished, I took a huge deep breath because I was petrified. I didn't know what was going to happen. And I said, honey, what's the real issue here? She paused. She thought about it. And she explained why um, my movements caused the reaction that it did. And from that moment on, that's was sort of our way of really talking. So even when I started going off a little bit, you know, she would go, honey, what's the real issue here? Mm. And I even like how you all phrased it before. You say, what's the underlying fear? Right. Or what's the underlying mm. right. you know, right. concern? Right. Yeah. Because a lot of times when couples are like going off on stuff, it's just real surface. Mm. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. just it's stuff going on under the screen. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. so our main takeaways from, from this intimacy conversation is, you know, if you feel like intimacy is kind of waning, there needs mm-hmm. to be some kind of key words or key phrases to say phrases, yeah, to kind of recenter right. and right. kind of get right. things back on track. Absolutely. So, for, Absolutely. Yeah, so for you and Minister Rise, it's the it's the I thing. It's and, the I thing, and right. it's what's really going on here. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, and But see, it's going to require a level of maturity that it goes well and beyond just the, the normal stuff because now you're asking the person to share their, their heart. Right. And and you have to be ready to receive it. And so um, couples really need to understand that once you start developing these words and these key phrases, which I think are absolutely important, you also got to understand what that level of intimacy comes a high level of responsibility. That's right. And you have to be responsible yeah. Yeah. for being able to hold that person's heart Mm-hmm. And to be able to, ex, you know, receive what's being said mm-hmm. without blowing off and becoming defensive because yeah. we're ready to be defensive like that. Yeah. And I had to learn not to be defensive and she had to learn not to be defensive. That's deep. So do you think in general it's it's more difficult? I think I was reading that, I guess, in men, what, men are from Mars, women yeah. from Venus. Yeah, yeah. Just saying, like, when you have, like, tough discussions and things like that, men tend to want to go in their cave and women tend to want to chase them there and, and talk yeah, and talk and yeah, talk. Yeah. So do you think it's more of an adjustment for men to kind of, I guess, be able to... Major. I don't want to say endure, but, <laughs> you know, just no, kind of have those heart-to-heart. Oh, well, certainly, yeah. 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 yeah, because our way of handling stuff is, you know, we'll either fight, you know, and then after we fight, f- physically fight, we're good, or we'll just go into a cave and internalize it and then come out and because... You know, we've been taught men are not supposed to, you know, uh, talk and all this other emote. stuff. Emote. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> That's the word I was trying to find. Yeah. We're not supposed to emote. So, yeah. Um, but um, I, I think now it's it's critical. It's critical that, um, you know, sessions like this are fantastic because it gives people, in particular men, um, a platform to hear how to steer away from going into the cave. Sometimes the cave is good. Yeah. Some, yeah. Sometimes the cave is really good. And necessary. And necessary. So put a time limit on it. <laughs> <Yeah>, but... <laughs> <laughs> they might not ever come out. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes it's good. However, there are a lot of times where going into the cave is not good and it's not fair. And so having a platform like this to really understand and learn, like you said, because a lot of guys have probably never heard using a safe word to say phrases. Mm. And so if they can start incorporating that into their relationship very early on when they're courting, 
it just makes things easier as it goes on, as you guys can probably attest to it, because now you guys have been given the tools to basically say to each other in your own terms, I'm not feeling you right now. Mm-hmm. What's up? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And those are tough conversations to have. Yeah. They definitely don't go over easy all the time. Um, but, you know, you got to put the work in to yeah. try to have those kind of non-combative, non-defensive right. mm-hmm. conversations right. where you really get to the heart of what's going on right. and then you cannot, you know, right. you can move forward. Minister Rise, let me ask you one last question. Um, how, uh, w- how, what would be your answer to this question? Um, how do you stay intimate with your spouse when kids come into the picture? Mm. You have to be deliberate and intentional about not letting anything form a wedge um, in the relationship. And that equates to an agreement between the two that you are prioritizing the relationship. Because keep in mind, kids grow up and they move out and they do their lives and the two of you have to love one another after the kids are gone. And so people oftentimes wonder how and why married couples could get a divorce after 20, 30, oh, you know, yeah. 25 years Heard of marriage. 20 how, year hump. Yeah. yeah. How can yeah, that that's happen? A real, that's real. Well, it's typically real because they have not taken the time to prioritize the marriage covenant as they were parenting, uh, one. And then two, they allowed intimacy um, to be attacked and didn't do anything about it. So when they are no longer... Um, you know, primarily fulfilling that role as parents, now they're back into the role of, you know, of lovers or of, you know, husband and wife. And many times they don't know how to function in that role. They got so used to parenting that they forgot how to really love one another. So um, it is critical. Now, you would never tell your children, you are not my priority. You would never say that. I said that. But. You, <laughs> but. Minister D says, like, I'm prideful. Okay. Yeah, yeah. No, I said that. I said, oh, I said that. You would not tell Love that you to. Love you to life. You would but. not say that to your young child. You would damage your child. But. You, okay, maybe that's part of the problem. <laughs> but you, the two of you have to make a commitment to um, doing things that nurture the marriage covenant even though you are in the throes of parenting. Otherwise, you will look up after you wave that child off in their dorm room, packed up for college, and the two of you riding back in the car, and you say, now what? So let me let me just go a little bit deeper in a little bit of time we have left. As a man, of course, my mindset is physical. You know, when you say prioritized, are you referring to, like, we have to have date nights, we need to make, we got to be intentional about Love making time, like go a little bit deeper for me. Remember, yes, <laughs> okay. Remember, it's not the same for everybody, not everyone's love language is the same. So, you have to, between the two of you, not for I mean, don't I, I, no, I, I'm us. saying you generally, yeah. um, couples have to understand what the required love languages are mm. and and don't get it twisted just because you know you may take the online test and um, um. Dr. Gary Chapman has an online test to help couples figure out what their primary love languages are. We teach that you never just communicate love in that person's primary language, because unless they got a score of zero in the other four, they need they still need love in those other areas. You don't discount those. So um, it is critical for spouses to understand how to meet each other's needs and expectations in those areas so that that proverbial love tank which is like a gas tank you know he he describes Mm. in his book is always full 
Mm. You never want to say and do things that are depleting the love out of your husband or your wife's tank. You know, you want to be always filling it with deposits because if you don't, somebody else may come along and and, uh, (laughs) and do that for you. Um, So it's all about meeting each other's needs, esteeming the other person's needs more highly than your own, you know, um, and, and they change over time. Right. You evolve. They, they can change over time. Right. Yeah, because I was going to say it's difficult going back because, of course, we have a mm-hmm. almost two-year-old now. And so we're right in the thick of that, of trying to balance everything out um, and, you know, just getting used to Dee the father and Selena the mm-hmm. mother and making mm-hmm. sure we prioritize our time and, and things like that. But it is tough because you don't want to... You have this life and you're kind of like, I got, they mm-hmm. depend on me. So, mm-hmm. you know, naturally they're going to take more of your energy, right. but being able to have those conversations and it's okay to say what you need. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of times we feel like people read our, th- need to read our thoughts. Right. You know, it's okay to say, I need this. So this is how I would like this. And so communication said, is communication, key. Communication, 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 communication. And along Excellent. those lines of communication, it is okay to say to your spouse, you know what? I know right now we're in a crazy season. I am not happy with the amount of X like. quality time I'm giving you, sex that I'm giving you, um, mm. physical touch that I'm giving you. It's okay to say that I wish I could give you more in that area and that's that's gonna be my goal. Mm. At least saying that you acknowledge that you know it's right. important to the person even if you can't give it right then. Mm. Right. That's I, real good. I'm sorry, I just have one more. Last, 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 last question mm-hmm. because I want to touch on the people who aren't married yet. Yes. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we always talk about having that proper balance between intimacy and mm-hmm. commitment, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. and you have a lot of people who now, especially in this generation, we, you know, what we call shack up and yep. we do those things. Yep. And I don't know, would you consider that like a pseudo, you know, intimacy because mm-hmm. you're not really, you mm-hmm. don't have the commitment involved. But how can, what advice would you give to those couples who want the intimacy but the commitment mm-hmm. isn't there yet? What can they do? Yeah, um, I think that's challenging, you know, and I and I get that, you know, societal norms are changing a lot. But um, keep in mind that the research shows that um, couples who shack up typically do not survive in long-term mm-hmm. relationships. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's due to familiarity. I don't know if it's because both parties aren't really in like that. But um, there's something about being in covenant with a person mm. that makes you want to fight. Yeah. And unfortunately, most of these couples who are living together do not make it. And many of them want to make it. And it's not to say that the ring is the be-all and end-all. The ring causes you to have a lifelong commitment. Really what causes a lifelong commitment is being teachable, mm-hmm. being accountable to people who are able to pour into you, um, and really being committed to keeping Christ first. Mm. Mm-hmm. Well, we want to thank you, Minister Rising Dean, uh, for this. I'm sure we will continue the conversation again and again. So many different things we can discuss at the table with the Allens. At the table. (laughs) So until next time. Yes.